0: I had to interact with my bank, Wells Fargo, a couple of weeks ago. And the only way to do so, I had to call. And I was so pissed. And the, I, I, I either sat on hold for an hour and a half or I got a call back, And the callback was four hours later. And of course, I missed it. So I had to do the whole process over again. And then at the end of the day, once I got on the call, it was like this 30-second you know, like little conversation that was like a blip. Why couldn't I have a live chat or a button in my app to just do what I needed. I, I needed to uh, cancel a quick transaction. It's super easy. So companies need to move away from phones as soon as possible, and we need to start talking to consumers and training them on how to be empowered and how to use digital tools.
1: In today's episode, Adam and I are talking to Brian Kale, Director of Customer Success at Bank Noble. In this part, I usually mention about two or three main topics we covered, but in this episode, we talked about so many things that you just need to listen to it all. (laughs) But in general, we pretty much covered the past, present, and future of customer success in the banking industry. So enjoy the episode and don't forget to let us know on social media. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another CX Insider podcast episode. Today, Adam and I are talking to Brian Kale, Director of Customer Success at a startup called Bank Novo. Hello, Brian. Thank you for coming.
0: Hello. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here and uh, looking forward to continuing our, our pre call chat and our ongoing chat here as well. I love the outline we have going for it.
1: Thanks. How's Miami, by the way?
0: It is great. Uh, here temporarily, of course, just for the month. But, uh, you know, it's great getting out of the city, New York, of course, and, you know, being in person mm-hmm. with uh, the rest of my team and seeing people that I haven't seen in a year. It's surprisingly emotional, um, oh. obviously, during COVID and everything. So uh, it's kind of I'm really excited to be getting back to normal. And, you know, outside of the humidity and the heat, Miami is a great town. I hope it's not underwater in five years. But for now, I'm going to enjoy it as much as possible. <laughs> Good man. Going to sneak all that in there. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> cool. So, Brian, at the beginning, I would like to ask you could you uh, maybe explain to the audience a bit what uh, what you do at Bank Novo and what Bank Novo does in general?
0: Yeah. I mean, I, what don't I do? <laughs> when, you know, when you work <laughs> at a startup, you do almost anything that you need to do, especially when you're one of the early uh, employees. So, uh, I, I am obviously the director of customer success at Novo. I joined in early 2019. Uh, to come into the company pre-seed, we only had seven or eight employees and a couple hundred customers, and I was tasked with building out our CXCS department. And over the last year and a half, I have scaled us, you know, from hundreds of empo- uh, hundreds of customers, no employees in the CS team, to twenty, and you know, <clears throat> multiple tens of thousands. And so, when you work at a startup, it's especially this early, you do whatever you need to do. Because if you don't show up for work or if you don't do something, no one's gonna step in. So I oversee the entire customer journey and experience and my team interfaces with our customers day to day through our support systems, through all of our channels, emails, we do outbound and receive inbound. And we're here to help small businesses in America. And so Novo, just to speak to that, is a small business debit and checking account for you know, companies here in the United States. We work primarily with uh very very small businesses you know sub five mm-hmm. employees usually the founder and someone else were less and these are companies forged out of the 08 recession using the internet of things to turn their hobbies into businesses when you know many of these talented people were laid off or and didn't return to the workforce uh, a lot of our our, our founders are over 40 as well um and there's a lot of under 40s we have a, a good healthy mix of generational minds who have come together to start businesses but at the same time these are also DoorDashers and Uber drivers who are businesses and I know that that's a a big topic right now is are they employees or businesses but in the United States they're businesses and when they bank with traditional banks you know through their personal account like you all do as well you have a very different experience than what businesses do because Businesses are dealing with antiquated systems. The, the federal government and the banks still treat large companies, still think small businesses are multiple millions of dollars, tens, twenties, thirties, forties employees. When the reality is small businesses are a couple people now with a laptop and we want to build the bank for them and give them the consumer great experience that they deserve. So I know that was a little bit of a lot, but.
2: No, that was that's, good. Uh, that's,
0: that's what we're doing here. That's
2: perfect. also, I've just learned of door dashes. Never even heard of that before. What's that like? Another US version of Uber?
0: Yeah. So it is, yeah, they are the last mile. Not really the last mile. They, they, you order stuff from grocery stores, from Target convenience stores, and they okay. go there and they dash door to door. Amazing. I don't know if they're over there yet. I, interesting. I didn't, no, we, no, I
2: didn't no, know. No, no, that's that. that. We have services like Just Eat and Deliveroo, which generally do fast food, and they now also offer um, yeah. like groceries and things as well. But I bet that business like that must probably taken off
0: during yeah, COVID. Absolutely, all of them have exploded, right? And yeah, so, bet
2: yeah. absolutely.
1: So, um, I, w- I would like to know here in the UK. I don't come across the term customer success that often, and when I do, I mostly actually see that in in startups. And I wanted to ask you because. To me, I've never actually looked for the proper definition of what customer success is, but I assume that it it does sound to me like a different word for customer support, (laughs) which I might be wrong. (laughs) But I I wanted to ask you, so how do you actually define it? How is it different from customer service or support?
0: This is a very good question. You've already heard me use customer experience and customer success almost interchangeably as well just now. Yeah. Uh, So I'm a big believer in words have power, Titles have powers. When you give something a title, it has meaning and power. So when you call something or someone or, or an interaction customer service, a service is like a transactional, you know, methodical interaction where the customer is I, having a service performed on them and the employee is doing a task. And both sides mentally will create this, this unintentional conversation about what's going on so rebranding as customer success leveling up your employees to be more than just a transactional helper to be a conversationalist to to have value driven conversations positive and motivated not not here to just solve a problem here to answer questions and empower customers to then the next time they might not need to contact you they 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 they, they also develop better human connections with you because it's not this transactional one-on-one thing. And so what you're seeing in the industry, and it's been going on for a while, but it's really picking up spe- steam, is customer service still like exists, especially in traditional companies, but it's like evolving into this support success model where it's we're here to really elevate your experience. And that is overall holistically the customer experience. Uh, what's interesting is like the sales at enterprise has co-opted or even probably developed the term customer success. So you often see customer success applied to enterprise grade sales where they're account managers, they're these hands-on white glove people. So effectively what B2C companies are doing is taking that mindset and terminology and bringing it down to the consumer level and giving you know, one-on-one individual consumers that same glo- white glove experience. And white glove experience is a very nebulous term now. So I know traditionally it means one-on-one human contact, with like all the bells and whistles. But now it's you know, fully customized digital experiences, automation, how do you flesh out everything? And again, it's all about empowering customers to take advantage of the tools and their accounts and everything without having to contact you. And that's a whole topic on its own. That is.
1: Yeah. Yeah, cool. Um you touched on customer experience a bit. I uh, a couple of weeks ago, I uh, did an online course on customer experience c- consultancy could say and they were saying that basically every company if it's possible should have a dedicated team customer experience team which should report directly to the ceo um so i wanted to and i can see that mainly in startups for example Huel, Mm
0: -hmm. the
1: brand which provides or which sells uh, meal replacements it's a startup and they've got their own dedicated cx team or department cx department what do you think about this do you think that it's uh, it's necessary
0: Yeah, 100%. So uh, usually you start with the support success side, and you build into experience, especially at early stage startups. But every company needs to have customer experience or a customer ownership at the C-level or reporting directly to the C-level with no barriers in between. Mm -hmm. It shouldn't be a function of marketing or sales. If anything, those are functions of CX. Um, That's not obviously to overinflate my my industry. But customers contact your company every day either through support tickets or through interacting with your product they tell you things all the time there are billions of dollars of market research on the table and if you're not collecting it and you're not paying attention to it and you're not conveying those stories and messages to the ceos to the c levels to the investors what are you doing you're wasting money And and then you get companies who who are developing products that are could be completely misaligned with what the customers actually want. You could be thinking you're solving one problem and cu- your customers actually think you're solving a different problem. And I, I, I do think that this is for the benefit as branding is everything. And I know branding is holistically marketing. It's, it's design. It's everything. And, and no better place is that you know, brand live than directly with the customer experience because they interact with you and your brand and you know as we're moving into an era where you know decisions or purchasing decisions are made on brand alone you really need to dedicate to that and understand yeah. who your customers are and why they want to even interact
2: so yes <laughs> that's perfect actually i was going to ask a quick question um that's sure. all right brian a bit of a kind of a bit broad um question this is suppose, and this will be very hard to answer quickly um what do you What do you think is the future of CS customer service? You know, what do you really think is the future
0: of it? Oh, I can answer that. That's not that hard. Uh, I think the future (laughs) is automation, no phone calls, and value-driven conversations. So globally, salaries are, are, are increasing significantly everywhere. And companies who offshored customer service in the 90s and 2000s overseas are now seeing those overseas operations becoming more and more expensive specifically around phone calls. Uh, I don't know about the UK, but in the United States, entire generations were raised on, on phone calls. The only 100% way to set the same here. Phone. Yeah. So <clears throat> that's very expensive. An agent can only take a handful of phone calls an hour where they could take, you know, 40 live chats an hour. That's a little high, but they could take, you know, they can answer two or three live chats in five minutes where they could take one phone call in five minutes. So you could, There is a little physical cap on the amount of phone calls an agent can handle. And those costs are ultimately pushed onto the consumer, but yeah. no one tells you that as a consumer. You're not told that part of the reason Amex charged you $400 a year is to pay for the customer service costs mm-hmm. as well. And as the salaries for customers uh, support and service agents keep going up, Companies are either going to start charging you directly for white glove service or they're going to start doubling and tripling down on automation. And we're in a weird time where a lot of companies are doing a very bad job at automation and, and and you know, that sort of like streamline on customer service. So you have companies that have these terrible IVRs. They still make you call and then you have to go through this crazy, long, boring, uh, you know, answer bot type thing on yep. the phone. Yeah, Like companies need to move away from phones as soon as possible. And we need to start talking to consumers and training them on how to be empowered and how to use digital tools. Like I had to interact with my bank, Wells Fargo a couple of weeks ago. Okay. And the only way to do so I had to call and I was so pissed. And the, I, I, I either sat on hold for an hour and a half or I got a callback and the callback was four hours later. And of course I missed it. So I had to do the whole process over oh. again. And then at the end of the day, once I got on the call, it was like this, Thirty second, fi- you know, like little conversation that was like a blip. Why couldn't I have a live chat or a button in my app to just do what I needed? I I needed to uh, cancel a quick transaction. It's super easy. So
2: like Amazon, but within banking.
0: <laughs> yeah. So ironically, Amazon's on the cutting edge of this. They invest tons of money in it. Go 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 buy an Amazon thing, have it delivered, and then go to your support tab mm. and try to interact with it. You have to go through this whole flow. Mm. It's, it's, it's easy and hard to talk to a customer and uh, to a customer support person in Amazon, but they also give you all the tools. They do. Need.
2: Yeah. If it's, you're so right, because if it's done poorly, because the story you just said about your bag, I can think of two that come to mind for me that I've done very recently, particularly because I've just moved. Um, one of them was a credit card all done via the app. They've actually turned off their web support. Now you have to do it by the app I needed to speak to them. Uh, up pops a live chat, but it isn't a real person; it's an automated bot. Yeah. It then, because of what I need to do, refers me to call them. You then call them, and you get greeted with an automated voicemail that says everything can be done via the app, and then it hangs up on you.
0: <laughs> yeah, and you know what's you know what's crazy is they knew a hundred percent who you were. Yeah, when you and then, and, but then they're still going to ask you to tell you all the stuff. I know. Like companies are lazy; they take they they look at customer service as a cost center. When it drives revenue, it drives churn and it drives retention. So if you invest in it, you're going to be uh, at the forefront over the next ten years because you're either going to have to char- start charging your 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 customers for that phone support that you so lazily invested yeah. in, or you're going to have to force them into a bad experience that you just and had. it might be and- too
2: late by then because of people like you popping up. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I mean, it's it's ironically still a battle. Um, sure. I talked to bigger companies, and and you know they were talking about what if we add Zoom to the customer support experience, and it was like, wow, no, that's no, no, that's terrible. I was going to ask um, you about then, video
2: actually, because you're talking about automation, you're talking about channels and live chat. Mm-hmm. Did you what's your opinion on kind of video within a customer experience?
0: Yes. Yeah, so it really depends on what the product and service is. So, like, there are these tele doctors that everyone's popular with that you know call it like you get a virtual counselor. Yeah, that's video. That is a good customer. By the way, that's customer success. That is a good customer success use of Zoom. If you're a mass market consumer grade product that has a monthly subscription, no, don't do Zoom. Like, if you're Netflix, no. Why would you Not. do Zoom? No, that's crazy. Also, you expose your your employees to such risk. The only time Zoom really kind of makes sense is on a very professional setting with companies. But, you know, as I alluded to at the top of the hour, companies are getting smaller and smaller and acting like consumers anyways. So, I think it behooves many companies to start rapidly onboarding consumer-grade experiences specifically from the SaaS space around customer service and support. Like, have you fleshed out your FAQs? Have you built proper automation? Have you literally just built account management tools for your customers to manage their own accounts, like some companies, you have to call them to change your email. It's like, what is this?
2: Yeah, that's kind of like with um, some banks when you change your address with them, and then they they then send a letter confirming you've changed address to your old address. What a waste of money
0: yeah, and that, time! <laughs> yes, but there's also an there's a lot of reasons for that. That there's a compliance and security element to that. But I would say that that is not as secure or compliant as I think the banking industry is always at risk of fraud or, or in defending their customers. So they do a lot of antiquated, outdated things that they think are in service of fraud management and mitigation, but they, they are outdated and don't really work anymore. The reality is, is you know, 30% of all the people on social media don't exist. All of our information is online right now for $3. Uh, I don't know what you all have in England, but social security numbers in the United States, like basically every single adult in the United States, your information's online. So consumers need to start protecting themselves ever more and companies need to do too. But banking, banks have been doing this for hundreds of years and they still do the stuff they did 75 years ago and they need to innovate more. Um, and Novo is doing a lot of, uh, digital, uh, solutions to fraud, uh, uh, mitigation for our customers and ourselves, you know, we force. you know, you just mentioned a company that forced you to go to the, uh, app, mm-hmm. which is smart. Uh, you never want to email your, I would never want to email anyone anymore. Cause email is such a channel for, uh, phishing Agreed, fraud. Yeah. And yeah, like companies that still send emails about your account are putting their customers at risk. 100%. And, you know, everyone needs to start adopting two-factor authentication, uh, SMS verification, mm-hmm. and coming up with multiple layers of fraud mitigation. Because already uh, we can, we I mean, your voice, your face, and all of your passwords can be copied or are or, or already copied. And people can impersonate you very easily or they could take that information and create digital personas of new people and open tons of bank accounts and you know it's i didn't know any of this stuff until 3 years ago and it, the amount of terrifying things that are possible are mind-boggling and and we're only scratching the surface and i know this is really off cx top no here, no no this but, is inter-
2: this is really interesting though cuz I had a Google password hack myself, and I could see it happening. And the moment it happened, um, it was actually by some Russian bot, without a doubt, because my Google language got changed to Russian. Instantly, all my accounts died. All the passwords were changing. And the quickest I could change them, they were changing back. And that was actually because, stupid me, I didn't have two-stage verification turned on, on my Google Chrome. And where do you save all your passwords? Google Chrome. I know, (laughs) Well, I, I I am now about as secure as I can get, but yeah, I it was awful. <laughs> it was bad.
1: Basically, your
0: whole identity could be stolen. It, it was. Adam.
2: My credit cards, it everything. Was. Everything yeah. was just done.
0: So I just just to speak to that, I would say you should 100% – you obviously have two-factor turned on. You should use a third-party app. There's LastPass, OnePass. There's tons of them. Do not save anything in your Google Chrome because, as you just said, if Google Chrome is hacked, you lose everything. But if you have multiple layers of security, so you still use Google Chrome, obviously, still set up two-factor, use your email, do all that stuff. But you should migrate your password and credit card information to a third-party service that you pay for, and you should 100% pay for these services. Yeah. Don't do a VPN. Those are those are not what you think they are. Those actually make you more of a target and a threat. They don't want to tell you that, but it does. Well, because it makes you more unique online. Okay. Uh, like. Part of, part of, as a consumer, you're lost in the crowd. But the second you have a VPN, everyone knows you have a VPN. So then they might target you even more, uh, which is the dirty secret is everyone knows when you're using a VPN. <laughs> it's, it's blatantly obvious. Um, it, so to tie this back to CX, companies and consumers, and this is kind of what I'm going to try to do over the next 10 years is try to train consumers. But companies and consumers need to both learn and educate each other on the next 10 years because it's inevitable and it's already happening. And the longer you take to to give it the program, the more at risk or the worse experience you're going to have. And when companies will churn customers, customers will lose money, and it's it's just this cycle of never ending. And then you'll see, you know, some uh, someone will come in and usurp you really quickly. Every enterprise grade product is at risk for disruption right now. You know, if you're if you have huge annual contracts. With ludicrous cost, there's going to be a, there's a startup right now who's working on a monthly version that's $50. So, you know, everyone needs to get on board with this, or, or you're just going to get left behind. Like Salesforce bought Slack for a reason, right? They know. <laughs>
1: oh, that's brilliant, Brian. Thanks. I actually want to. I, I want to go back a bit to where you were talking about automation and self-service. Of course. I know. I know you're a huge advocate of self-service. I am myself as well. I think our generation in general. I am actually dealing with this issue actually regarding um my bank account because I am a customer of Barclays and Barclays has this app called Pingit. At least I think that's how it's. It pronounced. It's Pingit. Yep so, so it's an app that allows you to transfer your money using your telephone number, but the mm. biggest benefit of it all I myself perceive is that I can create like these little chars to save my money or piggy banks. but anyway, <laughs> they are closing this app, and I'm thinking, oh, no. what am I going to do with my piggy banks i need to I probably need to open another bank account somewhere else, and the number one thing that I am thinking about is. I just don't want to talk to anyone. Please don't make me call anyone or send an email to anyone or use any life automated AI, uh, automated chatbots, please. No, I just want to do everything by myself. A couple of clicks and then done. But that being said, then there's also my dad, right? (laughs) The older generation who says, why, why? You You just grab your phone and call somebody and they will deal with it for you. Do you think that there is this generational clash um, that younger people prefer self-service, but the older generation, they don't do things themselves. They, wanna, they want other people to do it for them.
0: Yeah. Uh, uh, so I think the only reason it's a generational clash is because when your dad was growing up, he had to call to do anything. There was no website to go to. Yeah. And he either went to the store or the branch and did it in person, or he called corporate. And so he's been raised his whole life to do that. He's been raised his whole life that I just go into a banking branch, talk to the bank person, and they do this for me. Mm-hmm. Um, where our generations, starting very early in the 2000s, the most innovative companies built these tools right away. Um, so what you're seeing is is a lot of companies need to balance how do you appease a generation. And I, and I definitely don't think it's an age... It's just more about the context of your age. We I don't want to make it seem like as you get older, you want that. It, it's about how you were raised. And yeah. so um, you, companies need to develop the hybrid model of how do you create an experience that is so intuitive and easy that it appeases younger people who want the fastest solution and answers possible and the older people who just want to talk to someone and just want someone to do it. And there's something definitely admirable about that. But remember when I talked about the difference between customer service and success? Older generations want a service performed for them, right? And they don't want to be charged for it. But the reality is they are being charged for it in some way. And so eventually they're going to have to pay for it more than they already are, or companies are going to have to come up with innovative solutions. And everyone remembers uh, the Google Voice uh, demo from two years ago. Uh, That is 100% being developed for customer service. Um, you're, You're looking at some of the biggest outsourcing shops in the world who are at the cutting edge of voice automation and IVRs because they know as well that as headcounts as you know individual employees become expensive there will still be a need for humans right there will always be a need for humans but it's the you have to escalate 10% of your tickets to a human and 90% go to goes to the automation and automation isn't always a bot. It is, it is, as you said, it is tools. It is a button. It is all of this stuff. That's all automation. It's the umbrella. Part of it is a chatbot, yes. But that, you know, that really you want to have even you only want like 15, 20% going to chatbots. You want 80% going to, you know, 60% going to your automated empowerment tools. And then you want the remaining 20 or whatever uh, you know, I lost count of the math going to humans. <clears throat> and so you're going to see in five years uh robots that sound just like humans and could probably have more advanced conversations than music now five could be very bullish but you know i would say 10 years at the max and i you know i used to work at an ai company that parsed natural language and and you know five years ago it was nowhere near ready but it's been five years and then it's going to be another five years. And, and these tools are only rapidly advancing and you're going to be able to call them and you won't even know the EU is all already proposing legislation that we have to announce when these are bots. Um, like you have to tell the customer.
1: The EU has everything under radar. everything.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they do like, I, I keep bringing it up because I think it's something that is probably a good thing. And like, you know,
1: not, yeah, no, it's not you- the
0: same, but, go ahead.
1: You're right because I was just thinking about if I call a customer service and 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 it's answered by a robot and I can't even recognize that it's a robot. That's
0: that's a bit creepy. Exactly, but it's also to protect you because when you talk to a company, the company should tell you you're talking to a robot because you you know what also is going to happen. Do you guys get spam calls? Yeah, from robots
1: all the time.
0: Okay, those robots are going to become they're going to sound just like humans, and so. You want a company to tell you when you're talking with a robot because that will help separate them from the fraudsters who are spam calling you every day. And those fraudsters are gonna have the same tools that the companies do. And they're gonna like, not to bring it back to this thing, like things are about to get really weird for everyone. And you're already seeing it with social media and quote unquote fake media. Like, you know, you can mimic and fake anything now. And they're going to call you in voice. It's going to sound like whoever you want it to be. Boris Johnson's going to call you one day. Like it's like, and I don't think consumers understand that. I mean, I think on some level they know, but like, there's a difference between knowing what's going on and happening and actually understanding the ramifications of that. Uh, And companies, it's it's in everyone's best interest to pay attention to these things. And companies should rapidly adopt this technology to bring it back to CX. And so what's gonna happen in the future is for your dad, uh, he'll either be forced to just use live chat, which by the way, a lot of older populations do enjoy live chat because the second they use it, they get a 30 second response time. They instantly go, oh, this is fast and it's over. When you get on a phone, most companies, I, I don't know the last time I've called someone and didn't have to wait 45 minutes to an hour. <laughs> <laughs> Ask your dad how much. Completely agree, bro. And you can calculate how much money you're losing.
2: I've noticed as well on that that on many UK um, organizations, when you go to the customer services, they kind of give you two options and they highlight very clearly. They actually put out the word quick or fastest response, live chat, and actually kind of they're really steering people towards that.
0: Oh, yeah. And pretty soon they're going to just not even tell tell you about phones. The phone will be so buried that you yeah, you'll never find do- it. No, they have it yeah yeah
1: Yeah. Yeah. but but that being said um Mm -hmm. do you think there might be um some kind of behavioral shift during the pandemic because people were so isolated and they might want to talk to somebody
0: i I know that that's a big hot topic i think that yes maybe especially in the beginning uh but the reality is a lot no one wants to talk to a company or your bank like that they might stay on the phone call longer, but I don't think it caused people to want to talk. more. I think what actually happened was everyone was home. And instead of being busy with work, they had time on their hands. So they were taking care of things that they'd been putting off. Mm. You know, think about normally, it's like, oh, I have to call my bank to do this thing. Yeah. I'll put it off. I'll put it off. I'll put it off. Now it's like, well, I'm just gonna do it right now. I'm sitting at home. I got nothing else going on. And so I think that's really what happened. Because while, yes, they wanted human interaction, they were probably calling their family and friends. Now, again, I do think that they were staying on phone calls longer. Uh, but I think the big, the big reason why there was an increase in, in inbounds for most companies last year was people were home. And rather than putting off calling the company, they just did it right away. That's what I think happened. And there's a sense of panic. Everyone was freaking out. So that created a sense of urgency rightfully so by the way that you know i don't want to downplay no no i was freaking out last year
2: (laughs) (laughs) but we all were absolutely i was going to ask you a question brian actually it's a bit bit off topic but from your from the conversation today and looking at your linkedin profile you've worked in different industries you mentioned on a little pre-chat before you kind of worked in the computer game industry you've worked for an ai company uh and the stuff we spoke about so far today would you say that the banking industry is probably one of the industries that is going through the biggest CS change? Because it certainly sounds like it must be.
0: Yeah, a hundred percent. There was a big article this week, I think in Forbes, about banks should hire less bankers and more tech people. They should still hire bankers. I'm not downplaying that. A hundred percent. You're seeing non-banking people migrate to FinTech because we're bringing our experience from consumer-grade SaaS, enterprise, products to banking. Banking is an industry where a duopoly, even though there used to be more banks, but effectively a duopoly in the United States means that they don't have to care. They don't and they really don't. Unless you're like making them millions of dollars, they're going to push you into whatever service they want because you have no choice. No one churns from a bank. Why? Because it's it's such a pain in the ass. Oh, I'm switching from Wells Fargo to Chase. Now I have to get my new credit card number, and set up all of my new accounts. And, and it, it's like a, a multi-month process. So banks are inherently sticky because of friction. And that has caused them to just not care about the customer experience. But customers are more empowered than ever, and they're more willing to make change now than ever because they have more information. And you know, you're seeing that with banking. And you know, I think that Robinhood over the last quarter has been a very good case study. The customer experience. Ironically, I think they're making the wrong decision. Um, they're onboarding three call centers to support phones because Robinhood famously did not support phone calls, but they are now because of the GameStop fiasco. But I think that that's counterintuitive. Now, let's let's point out though that Robinhood makes billions of dollars a year, so they're able to afford it. But most companies, a lot of banks, they don't make that much money off. They make a lot. of Banks make a ton of money. Not putting that, not saying not. but off of a checking and debit account, they don't. You know, it, it's not cost effective. So that's why Robin can support funds.
1: So before we finish, I wanted to ask you one last question. Of course. What advice would you give to future CX leaders?
0: To future CX leaders, I mean, to anyone in CX. The reality is, no one knows they're no one knows they're going to be in CX until they wake up one day and they've been in the industry for five years. Uh, I would say. Be flexible and be prepared to learn 60% of any new thing because you're going to have to learn new things every six months. Um, And then how can you innovate the customer experience without injecting more people into the process? Um, You're obviously always going to have to hire customer support representatives, but how do you make it so customers don't feel compelled to call you? Because at the end of the day, no one wakes up and says they want to call their bank. They get pissed and say they want to call their bank. So why are they pissed? What what was the root cause? Why? And keep asking why. Dig deeper. Uh, every problem has multiple layers and solving the lower layers will save you money in the long run. It might cost you more money now to fix, but companies keep kicking that can down the road and that is felt by consumers. And so if you're a young CX leader or even a veteran CX leader, uh, how, how do you find a way to support? have a best-in-class experience that's not phones because phones are not a best-in-class experience. No one really likes phone calls. So yeah, just be thinking about the digital trends that are happening, the push to self-service and empowerment, and and what are you doing to be prepared for that?
1: Thank you, Brian.
2: Great
1: answer, Brian. Thank you. I hope you liked this episode, and if you did, please don't forget to like, share, comment, or subscribe to the podcast on your favorite channel, and I will see you next week.